Good morning, everybody. My name is Thomas Odenwald. Um, I'm from SAP, and I'll talk about how we, our thoughts and our vision on embedding sustainability deeper into the value chain. Um, I'm glad there was a break in between because from purposeness and meaningfulness, which was a fascinating discussion, um, I need to bring it down on hard facts and bottom line discussions. Um, but there's a colleague of mine from SAP also, Rachel Perrick. She will have a, a separate session tomorrow uh, talking more about the soft side of SAP and the employee engagement that we support. So I want to give a quick introduction not only to SAP but to enterprise solutions as such because enterprise solutions are the heartbeat of a global economy. In the case of SAP, we have close to 250,000 customers in roughly 188 countries. SAP touches 60-plus percent of global daily business transactions. That means no matter if you buy a song from iTunes, if you buy a car, or if you pay your utility bill, chances are that there was an SOS, an SAP system, running in the background when you take those actions. So now you can also make the case um, that we have an impact on 60 or more percent of daily energy consumption or emissions or daily waste. Uh, and this is what this session is about and what I want to show you in form of a few examples along the value chain. We see a shift in the marketplace happening as we speak. Uh, I'd like to bring one quote from a leading analyst that says, technology platforms for sustainability will shift from being disconnected patchwork of tools to integrated enterprise and supply chain applications. This is also underlined by the quote here that you see from a survey from Accenture, where meanwhile 96% of all CEOs believe sustainability should be an integrated part of their strategy and the operations, and that also means in their daily business core processes. So sustainability for us has to become an entrenched core pillar of every business strategy and needs to be integrated in every core process. And this is what the remaining minutes of this session is about. I want to show you along the value chain uh, the role of IT and enterprise solutions. Um, I want to underline it by examples and, and recent case studies. And what I want you to do is you might have seen those examples or heard of them or they might not be necessarily new to you but I want you to focus on the handshake and the reuse between the examples, how we hand over single data sets, how we reuse existing data, and how we walk with these data along the value chain. Um, this is a model of a circular value chain based on circular economy principles where end of life is not the end of life, so to speak, but a new entrance back to the design and the sourcing procurement, sourcing process in the value chain. So I'll start with the design. I have it already up there. I'll start with the design process because this is important. Decisions in the design process have an impact on all remaining processes in, in the value chain. Um, design decisions still, for the most part, are based on form, fit, and function, not necessarily sustainability, but we see changes. And uh, one of our goals is to enable designers and engineers to also make their decisions based on sustainability elements. And I will show you an example how that works and where we are on this. Um, if you got ready for this conference this morning and used the bathroom, chances are you used the Shimondor product because they are the leading 
uh, Swiss company, global company, but the leaders in the marketplace for uh, uh, flavors and fragrances. So no matter if you use shaving cream or anything else, chances are Shimondo had a handle in that. Uh, It's one of our customers. um, Has a product portfolio of roughly half a million products. And every time they need to make a design change, they basically have to go through thousands and thousands, sometimes millions of calculation steps. Now, these design changes can be triggered by regulations or any other aspects. In our case, we started a project in the, in, uh, the REACH and, and Rojas compliance area. And when we came to Shimondo, what happened was when they had to make a, basically calculate a new formula based on a design decision, they usually did that in the morning uh, because then they could come back after lunch and see the results. Because there was such a big data volume in the background running, they need to check not only for restricted substances, they need to check for allergens, they need to check for the, aggra- the aggregated amount of substances. So it took them several hours to go through a single design step in order to make a decision if I'm still compliant, uh, if that causes allergies, and so on and so forth. Um, what we did is, in that project, we uh, used one of our so-called in-memory um, technologies, specifically designed for big data consumption. Um, the name is SAP HANA. And once we applied that and basically did the same business processes on an in-memory database, we brought it down. Most of the processes that we checked were under four seconds. So now we had a, a situation where instead of four hours, they had the same results under four seconds. What that means is not only can they make these kind of decisions much, much faster, but they also can now go beyond compliance. And this is what they're thinking about. Now, beyond regulatory requirements, they can now also check if certain design decisions are better for energy consumption, are better for waste management, emissions, and so on and so forth. So based on the speed and the way we, we tackle the big data problem, we are now having a situation where we go beyond um, compliance in the design area. But important is that these design decisions, no matter if it's by Shiwondo or anybody else, have impact on sourcing and procurement. And this is a very, very important area in the value chain because in many industries, specifically retail and consumer goods, but in many other industries, that's the ultimate hotspot. No matter if you look at energy consumption or waste or emissions, that is the hotspot that you need to tackle. And we are working on something new here in SAP. Uh, We're working on business network approaches using cloud technologies. And the reason why we chose business network approaches is we want to bring a value proposition not only to the buy side, but also to the supply side. And this is very important. I'll I'll come to that in, in a few more examples. As we go, before I go to that, we started out already rolling out that business network at the beginning of the year. Um, targeted towards declaration exchanges where buyers require their suppliers um, to basically submit their product declaration in order to see if they are compliant to certain regulatories. Uh, We constantly update, of course, these regulatories. We constantly um, increase the substance lists. But the important part now is that the supplier has to submit his declaration exchange or his declaration of his individual products or raw materials only once. And then he can decide if it's restricted or unrestricted on the business network, and every other buyer 
can look at it and use that information. And that's a huge, huge advantage because we talk to suppliers that meanwhile receive up to 50 questionnaires or, requ or requests a week, mostly with the same questions or the same regulatories. They had no way to reuse this kind of, of submissions in the, in the past. So now with that, we, we allow the supplier to basically submit once and be used by many, similar as you know it from Facebook or LinkedIn business models. And now we're adding sustainability assessment. Many of you, specifically in the retail and consumer goods industry, have scorecards in form of questionnaires that they roll out to your suppliers. The supplier needs to respond, and you basically score the supplier and make sourcing and procurement decisions based on the score. Uh, we see that coming from the Sustainability Consortium. We know the Sustainable uh, Apparel Coalition is working on these kind of questionnaires. Many of you have proprietary questionnaires that they send to your, to your suppliers. Um, so we're adding this and allow buyers now to score these responses and make their decision um, based on the responses. But we also allow the suppliers to, before they even respond to these KPIs or questionnaires, to self-assess themselves, to benchmark themselves against the peers, against the rest of the industry, so that they also have a value proposition on their side. Once this is established and this handshake is established, collaboration can start towards optimization and abatement on the business network. Now, important is once we have this business network established, we can go broad and we can go deep. I want to give you one example where we go deep. Because sooner or later, if you go deep down into the downstream, sorry, upstream value chain, you will end up with the smallholder or the farmer. There are one billion people working in agriculture uh, these days, and they have different needs. They have the same need for services on a business network, but their needs are different. They need more price transparency. They need more education and training. They need uh, traceability um, or, or um, supply chain, inventory, inventory management principle. They also need access to microfinance. So we worked on a project called the African Cashew Initiative uh, with the partners that you see here on basically using existing technology in place. And when you go to Africa and you want to find, use, want to find existing technology, everybody has a cell phone. So what we did is we basically enabled through simple cell phone technology. And I'm not talking about smartphones. I'm talking about simple cell phones as we used to know from a couple of years ago uh, to basically allow them to exchange this kind of information. So with the help of these, of these solutions that we rolled out in form of the African Cashew Initiative, which we also now replicated through a recent announcement with the coffee farmers in Colombia, um, they have now access to information that they never had before. And through this we could prove with the help of a Stanford study that we conducted recently that, we, that these 10,000 women are currently in that business network that they could increase their income between 60 and 82% just by being able to look at existing prices to have some basic education and training. The basic education and training could be as simple as like don't sell it the same day you harvest. Keep it for a while. Sell it the next day or sell it a week later. Um, and through these simple technology approaches, we could roll out a solution that improved uh, the livelihood of these women. But we also went broad. And when we went broad, and I'll show you uh, an example of that, we are continuing along the value chain towards the production environment and towards the logistic environment. 
in the case of Danone, we basically scanned at the end of each month for every production order and every transportation order that there is in the system. We used the supply chain data that came from the supplier as a baseline and just rolled it up. On a monthly basis, we can now do life cycle assessment for 35,000 products. Just per mouse click on a monthly basis, Danone is evaluating 35,000 products. Not only that, we also, Danone already proved that their original very aggressive target of reducing carbon footprint by 30% is already accomplished, I think a year ago. I think the press release went out a year ago that they accomplished already the ultimate target, which was in the future, to reduce their carbon footprint by 30%. In the case of Stonyfield, who's also applying the same um, solution, and I think Wood Turner talked about that in San Diego, uh, they already accomplished a savings of up to $10 million through this solution. And I just got the information this morning from Danone that the next phase of that product is now live that also tackles water footprint and energy footprint. But the point here is all using existing data sets from an existing, in that case, SIP ERP system that is already in play in place. Just for scanning for existing transactions at the end of the month, they were able to roll that up. Now, when we move that further, and that's the discussion that already started in the session this morning, um, you're leaving your company boundaries, and you need to communicate that to your, to your consumer, to your customer, in, in the use and in the sell phase. Um, we rolled out recently also a solution that's called precision marketing, where we now allow this kind of information in terms of carbon footprint, supply chain, hotspots, and, and so on, um, to be rolled out to the consumer by simply using smartphone technology. Mobile technology in form of a smartphone where you basically scan the barcode, in that case on a bottle of milk, could be anything else, and then get additional information. Could be additional information in terms of quality, origin, in that case sustainability. But now, and I'm, I'm, I'm quoting um, Ivan from Patagonia here, now we have the chance to make a consumer an informed citizen again. Because now he can get this in my time, get this information out there um, and basically include the consumer. I need to speed up a little bit on this um, and I'm coming already to the final space. I skipped the recycling part. We already have recycling solutions in place, which hopefully I can talk next time around. Um, integrated reporting. Once we have all this data collected and we have all these uh, processes improved along the supply chain, we basically support our integrated strategy for integrated reporting. Could be a different narrative as well in form of sustainability reporting, GRI reporting, CTP reporting. There are different means um, how to do that. We started this year for the first time to basically submit our own integrated report. Uh, we got high praise for that. Um, we also using that as part of our exemplar strategy, but now also want to bring these tools to the market in form of our enabler strategy. But the thing I want to point out here is something we did which is very unique. We created, and this is all interactive and you can access that through the internet, these, these visual diagrams that's, that show the connections between um, different bits and pieces. Now here we can show that reducing a greenhouse gas footprint we as SAP has influence on the health of our employees, on the motivation of our employees. Not only could we show that through a visual diagram, we started measuring that. We could now, for example, we measured that through our reduction in, in carbon footprint over the years, we saved 250 million US dollars. We also measured that 
a 1% change in employee retention costs SAP 62 million euro. So now for the first time, we now have monetary proof on, on these kind of connections in our integrated report. And we can now for the first time also measure how, in my example, greenhouse gas footprint has an influence on the health of our employees, on the motivation of our employees. Um, and how retention from our employees basically has a, has a causal effect on, on, in monetary terms. So my last slide before I close. Basically, our industry, according to a recent study, causes roughly 2% of the world's footprint in terms of energy consumption, in terms of emission consumption. But through our enabler strategy, we could have much bigger impact. Uh, measures are that up to 20% of emissions or waste could be influenced um, through enterprise business solutions. Enterprise business solutions are by default defined to improve efficiency and address business challenges in, in complex, fast-changing environments. And we believe that sustainability has to become an essential part of every organization's materiality definition and, and matrix. Once you have that accomplished, and you saw some of the examples that I brought up, you make that transparent, and you increase your efficiency, and we believe that can transform the world to a more sustainable economy and to improve people's lives. Thank you very much. Thank you, Thomas. So you know, integration is a word that a lot of people have been using here, transformation less commonly, and it can be a buzzword, but for me this is very exciting material. Do you, do you, do you guys geek out on data? I mean, this is exciting stuff, and even if you're not oriented to the numbers, the, the transformation possibility here is really striking. I mean, if you could take a four-hour business process and turn it into a four-second business process, what possibilities would that open in your business? You know, if you could, what was another data point you had? If you could implement, implement, submit data one time, use it many different ways without having to resubmit and resubmit and resubmit, what implications could that have for your business? Um, you know, there's enormous value gain uh, opened up by what Thomas is talking about. And for me, it raises the question of how can anybody say we can't afford to do this when value opportunities like this are sitting just below the surface? Questions from you. Can we get mics in the room, please? Hi, Thomas. Thank you. Um, Jennifer Anderson from Resonate. I'm curious about, as the large enterprises are implementing your solutions and driving down change through their supply chain and with their partner organizations, many, many of those organizations are going to be small, medium-sized enterprises. How are we getting the tools and technology that they need to do the similar processes through SAP solutions? Okay. Do I? Just I don't need to repeat the question. No. But but that's a two that's a two a two prong response. First of all, there is still the perception that SAP is, is only for big, large enterprises. We're trying to fight that since years, but the questions are still coming up. Um, we have the same solutions in place, no matter what size of enterprise you are, and specifically with our inroads towards cloud applications and and, and cloud as an overarching strategy. Uh, I think the question that, that we are limited to large enterprises will go away naturally. But the other, the other response for, for your question is also the supply chain example, right? The supply chain example where through this kind of business network approach, we can now go down, the, in that case, the supply chain to enterprises of any size, all the way to the farmer, as I showed in my example, who has very different needs 
And these needs can be basically add-ons in the business network in form of education and training for farmers on the field. Uh, and we proved that with our example that, that that's possible, there is a market for it. And in this specific example, we increased uh, the livelihood of these women in Ghana by 80% in a very, very short time frame as proven by the Stanford study. Mr. Russell. I'm Don Bain, uh, Greenhouse Sorry. Gas Management Institute. Thanks, Thomas. I'm intrigued by your trade network. This idea of uh, make a product declaration once, have it shared many times. So if I'm company A and I'm asking my suppliers to declare, uh, does that mean that company B can get that uh, data? And if that's the case, what did you have to overcome with the suppliers? Because that's a new way of thinking. It's of letting go. And finally, where does that data live once yeah. they, uh, yeah. they declare it? Yeah. No, that's, that's an interesting one because we had, we had to overcome that perception as well. We had workshops where we basically locked four tiers of the supply chain into, in, into a room for a day because it was the first time they talked to each other. And, it was, and, and the outcome, interesting was the outcome is everybody saw a benefit at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. But it took some convincing. Um, we still allow restricted control because we assume that not every supplier is comfortable with opening up too soon. So in our business network, you submit, you respond to a product declaration or to a questionnaire in, coming from one of your customers. Um, and you as a supplier are in full control is if you publish that unrestricted, if you publish that restricted to a certain group, or if you only respond on a bilateral basis to the asking customer. But remember, Walmart made an announcement that in 2017, they will base 70% of their procurement decisions based on their sustainability index, based on the KPIs from the Sustainability Consortium. And suppliers are very aware of that. And they need to do something now in order to basically keep up with that pace because 2017 for those people is around the corner. So these kind of questionnaires and opening up Will, will come sooner rather than later. Um, it's a new area for us, but if you followed SAP, cloud is one of our, our overarching strategies, and these business networks are, are basically our, our, our clear approach in the supply chain area towards that, towards that problem. The data live in the, supply, in the cloud on the business network. The supplier, the supplier still owns the data. The supplier still owns his or her responses once submitted but for terms and conditions, he allows us, he allows a scoring index to be applied. He allows us to take this data into the supply chain for further decision making along the process, and so on and so forth. Like cloud solutions work in principle these days. Thank you. Yes, sir. Um, so my name is Joe Brewer from Darwin SF. Uh, I think your talk does a beautiful job of showing what data integration, open data standard platforms for combining data um, how useful that can be. So thank you for that. The question I have is about the next step once you have these great data sets uh, regarding visualization and storytelling. Yeah. Um, to what extent are you thinking in that area um, as SAP, and, and where do you think we can go with that with these beautiful integrated data sets that will be built on the cloud? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for the question. Just, that's, that's a good one because the storytelling, and I'll make it, I'll, I'll respond by examples again. Um, in a sense, if I, t if I look at the Sustainable Consortium again, um, not only do they, what they did over the last three and a half years, they developed these KPI sets for, I think, 200 product categories, meanwhile. Um, 
But when you download these KPI sets, you also get what they call a CSP. You guys have heard about that. They are the recommendation engines for each product category. So not only do you respond to the KPIs for your buyer to, so that they can score you, you also get a CSP data sheet where it's uh, best practices or recommendations for each product category how to improve. And now you establish that handshake between buyers and suppliers to collaborate together. I mean, that's, we, we are just a technology provider there. We are not delivering the best practices, but we are opening up a channel to allow these kind of collaborations where they can share best practices, where they can um, basically look what, what is the rest of the industry is doing, how can I have the quick wins, what do I have to do on the long run. That is then between uh, the suppliers themselves or between the buyers and, and, and the suppliers. And the other... Um, the other example I showed is how we reach out to the consumer in form of these new mobile technologies that allow basically barcode, rather than an, an, a sticker in form of an eco label, this kind of barcode scan, scanning for dynamic data that change all the time. I mean, a carbon footprint, if you, if you, if you look at a, a, a turkey in a freezer in a supermarket, the carbon footprint changes any, any second. So you can have that as a, static, as a static label on that. But we also now have requests from retailers, if I can just uh, add that to it, where they want to use the same principles in form of mobile technologies to get more information about the use phase. Because that's an important hotspot for retailers and consumer good companies. How do you use my product so that I can make improvements in that, in that respect as well? So we are working with some retailers where we create incentives in exchange for answering simple questions. How often do you use your washing machine and with what, what temperature? And that gives feedback again to make improvements for the next version of the same product. And I think in San Diego we saw a couple of examples from Unilever and others how important the use phase is and how important uh, these improvements are for, for the use phase of the product. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, Cindy Mahalo with Triple Pundit. Uh, to continue along this line, um, I'm familiar with the um, data exchange, the SEDEX, Supplier Ethical Data Exchange, and I wonder how does your model align with that or integrate with it? Thank you. SEDEX would be a perfect fit for the business network as another form of content. What we do is we, we provide the platform in form of a business network, and then we open up to different content providers. And content providers are the, the SEDEX of this world, the Sustainability Consortium, the Sustainable Apparel Coalition, who now act as partners to bring their content in so that it can be shared with, with buyers and suppliers. So I'm familiar with SEDEX, and they would be a great, great add-on to the business network platform underneath. Thomas, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs>